Wow, welcome back. After seven installments of this series, Faith Works, faith that is evidenced by its works. We talk about, you know, do not boast about tomorrow. We talk about how to overcome trials and, and why these trials produces perseverance on the inside of us. We, we talk about how that faith ought to be displayed. You know, Pastor Andrew, two weeks ago, talked about uh, uh, the cliques that the believers were in during the time that the book of James was written, you know, you have the invaders, you have the Romans and the Pharisees, you have the Sadducees, and of course you have the Zealots. And so congratulations to those of you who won the, the, the special prize from Pastor Andrew uh, for answering it correctly. We also talk about how we deal with our tongue. And of course, also last week, Dr. Andrew talked about the royal law, the loyal law that is made possible because Jesus is the king who reigns supreme in our life, our judge. And because we are God's children, we are then sent forth into the world to display or to bring out the message of us being children of God, to love our neighbor as ourselves. So this, the entirety of this Faith Works series has been such that deals with not just um, an understanding of what God has done for us, but it requires us to act on those uh, things that we have learned and received so that we can be truly uh, a force to impact and influence our world for Jesus Christ. So, so today, as uh, we come to the final episode, you know, uh, I hope you're looking forward to it like a, a Netflix series where we wrap this all up. I, I pray that this series will help you to grow one step closer to Jesus and cause you to take one step further to loving others. Shall we just pray? Father God, I thank you. Thank you, God, that with all the limitations that we are facing and dealing with, God, we can still come. And right now, as we open our hearts, as we prepare our hearts to, to worship you, God, by listening to the preaching of the Word of God, speak to us, only you can. Touch us, God. We don't want this just to be a good word, but a word that will truly change our lives. Thank you, Father. We give this time to you as we learn this Word of God together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want you to get your notes ready, your, your Bible, uh, whatever you can use to write um, this last installment of FaithWorks series. You see, James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote this letter or a series of uh, a sermons to the Jewish Christian, Messianic Christian, all right, Jews, both in Jerusalem and those who were dispersed to encourage and to teach them to hold fast uh, to their faith in the midst of persecution, in the midst of persecution. You know, and, and he's not trying to uh, teach them something new, but to hold fast, to challenge them to live their lives based on the teaching of Jesus Christ, especially quoting from the Sermon on the Mount. And he he. He, James really, as the pastor of the Jerusalem church, he really wanted them to, to not forget, to hold fast to what they have learned from the Lord himself. You see, it is already very challenging, isn't it, as believers? Because though we are saved, 
the old nature is still very much active within us. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We're safe, but the old nature is still battling on the inside. The new birth does not solve the conflict. And if you've been a Christian long enough, you know what I'm talking about. It is not quite uh, as simple as it is. It doesn't give us an automatic victory just because we now have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. In fact, if there is one thing the new birth will do, is that it is to bring us into the arena where the old nature and the new nature battle it out. So if there's one thing, it is actually the constant conflict that we are experiencing. And, and when I first talk about faith works, I talk about you need to know that when you are struggling with the, the new life in Christ, with that old nature of the flesh, and you realize that it is constantly in conflict, battling it out, you know your life. You know your faith is alive. Because when there is no conflict, there is no tension, that's when your conscience has been seared. The Bible says, Alec Mortier said this, that this is a prolonged struggle, a fight against odds. And so, and so James, as a pastor, half-brother of the Lord, and grew up uh, and, and serving, knowing the Lord, encountering the Lord, he knows how challenging and how tough this is. And so in writing this letter, James highlighted three things in James chapter 1, verse 26 to 27. It says here, those who consider themselves religious, yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Those who consider themselves religious, you know, we, we, maybe we, we didn't talk about this, but those who consider themselves religious here, it's, it's not talking about the religious, religious customs and ceremonies, but religious in the sense that you are God-fearing. Those who consider themselves to be God-fearing and Jesus-loving, all right? First thing is to keep a tight rein on the tongue, all right? Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. To James, faith is really evidenced by works. The first work is the control of the tongue, the control of the tongue, the words that come out from our mouth, because that shows our faith to the world out there. Number two, the second work is the care for the needy. And it is a big part of James's teaching, because James came from, if you look at the book of Acts. James came from that place in Acts chapter 4. He, he, he experienced where when the believers were together, that they would share everything that they have in common so that no one has needs, so that nobody will go home hungry or being needy. And so to James, if you do not display that, what kind of a faith are you having, right? So generosity and, and giving and being sacrificial was very much in James's framework. The third work is to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. To keep oneself. 
from being polluted by the world. How do we live in this world and yet not be of this world? How to live in this world and yet not be influenced by the standards, by the consensus, by what is popular culture of this world and hold on tightly to the faith that we have in Christ Jesus. So to wrap this series on faith works, I want to highlight the third work, which is to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You know, this life is already tough and challenging and James uh, brought it up like the trials and the temptations that, that come our way. And to James, the way to overcome this is by way of wisdom. It is by way of wisdom. Well, if you are writing notes, if you want a title for today's message, it is called The Two Wisdoms. The Two Wisdoms. Let, let's, let's dive in to the scripture, James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. And that's where I'm looking at. And let me just read to you. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly and spiritual demonic. For where you have envy and selfish, selfish ambition, there you find disorder and evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So verse 13, let's go start from the beginning, right? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Who is wise? Where does wisdom come from? And, and have you ever considered why, why do we, we need wisdom? Wisdom, uh, we need wisdom for making decisions. We need wisdom to, to know what is the next step to take. Wisdom comes from knowledge. Wisdom comes from experience. Wisdom comes from your surrounding and see how everybody lives, isn't it? But to James, the answer to where wisdom comes from, it's very, very straightforward. Wisdom all right, comes from knowing and living the scriptures. James knows that wisdom comes from knowing and living the scriptures. And that's, that's what they have in those days. And it is important and it is critical. God's law is for living. The word of God, the laws of God is for living. And his truth is for thoughtful application to the varied circumstances of the day. Because the Word of God is living, the Word of God is alive, the Word of God is unchanging. Therefore, it is important for us to learn to grasp the Word of God, to apply them in our lives in all the changing circumstances. The purpose of wisdom, according to Derek Kidner, he delightfully implies this, it is to make the good people nice. It is to make the good people nice. Yes, wisdom comes from knowing and living the scripture. And, and when we talk about wisdom, uh, we cannot go away from that very commonly quoted Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10 that says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and acknowledge of the Holy One 
is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We, we say this, and, and sometimes perhaps, to a point that we, we probably just quote it like, oh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord. So, yes, it is true. All right? We are not denying the scripture. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Wisdom begins with knowing God. So, but we need to understand what does this fear of the Lord means. The fear of the Lord is not the notion where the big brother is watching over you all the time, so you better watch out, all right, where you're going or what you are doing, otherwise you'll be in trouble. The fear of the Lord is not afraid that somebody's checking on you. If you look at Proverbs 2 verse 5 and Proverbs 9 verse 10, these passages bring fear, knowledge, understanding, or discernment, and wisdom together in a way which makes them inseparable. So you cannot just have the fear of God without the knowledge of God. You cannot just have the fear of God without understanding because they are all together. They are all blend together as one. Yes, this fear is a proper reverence for the one who has made himself known to us. But nowhere in the scriptures that knowledge is merely cerebral. That means the knowledge of God is not just head knowledge. To be able to fear God has to come from a place that you have known God. Then that fear becomes meaningful. God doesn't want us to just fear Him from a distance. And we know from the scriptures, that's not how God has been dealing with His people. God wants intimacy. You see, nothing is known until it reshapes our lives. One more time. Nothing is known until it reshapes our lives. If it's just head knowledge, all right, probably it is not knowledge at all. It has to come to a point where the knowledge of God actually transferred onto the inside of us. And, and that's why the book of James is so powerful in that he says that faith ought to be evidenced by works. So, so and in order for that faith to be translated into works, it is not because you're afraid of God. It's not because you have fear of God only, but because that knowledge, all right, has reshaped our lives from the inside out. For this reason, the way of wisdom is the way of obedience. It is the way of obedience. Otherwise, faith will not be seen in the works or the evidence in our lives. So knowledge in this sense, at its deepest, is living out a deep personal relationship with God. Are you with me? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That fear, all right, right at its core, it's formed in the knowledge of God. And that knowledge at its deepest is living out a deep personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And only when that relationship with Jesus Christ exists on the inside of us, we begin to live out. And that's why I love when Pastor Andrew say, don't just, don't just be I roughly know kind of a Christian. Let the life of Christ be so deeply embedded on the inside of us. Wisdom is the God-given ability 
to see how in all our ways throughout the whole course of life, we may acknowledge Him. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6. Wisdom is a God-given ability to see how in all our ways, throughout the entire course of life, we may acknowledge God. That, that's true wisdom. You know, we are, we are constantly bombarded with, with values and, and pop culture and things that so easily ensnare us. Wisdom is that ability where we see how in all that we do in our lives, the whole course of our lives, we are always acknowledging God. Verse 13, it says, let them show by their good life. Let them show by their good life. All right? Let them show by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. James says, that's wise. And that's someone with understanding. So let, let's go a bit deeper now. But what is that good life? From the verses 1 to 12 in chapter 3, leading to this passage that we are reading this today, it ought to be in the context of taming of the tongue. It is, it is the taming of the tongue. Then, that is the evidence of a good life, right? But, but James also knows that the taming of the tongue is not just you stop using those words or you just change those words. Because if the spring, when James says it will spring, fresh water and salt water, when that spring can have that, and that is a problem, how do we deal with that? It is not just shutting the salt water or the fresh water for that matter, but it is in dealing with the source. And what is that source? Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 says, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What words that we use, the words that we project out, it's actually got to do with the source, which is our hearts. And so, James says, let them show by their good life, by their ability to tame their tongue, by dealing with the source, which is the heart. Are you with me? And then he says, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. And so, when we have the knowledge of God and the intimacy, that relationship with Christ that causes us to fear God, to live our lives in that way. And wisdom begins to birth forth from our daily living, begins to be displayed out in our daily living. The deeds that we do is shown in our humility because that comes from wisdom. The hallmark of wisdom is humility. Meekness in another translation, it's a word which requires the context of relationship for its full meaning to emerge. So when you think about it, wisdom in decision-making, wisdom in deciding what you want to do in the future, it's a big part because God's law is for living. It is a big part because the truth of what Jesus Christ has taught us, all right, it's, uh, it's critical to how we live our lives. However, the true wisdom, all right, can only be fully expressed in the meekness, and that meekness uh, requires the context of relationship. And so, 
the emphasis that we find in James is this, that the wisdom that he advocates will put an end to jealousy, selfish ambition, because it denies the truth, and disorder, and will be seen in purity, peace, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So, the wisdom that James is trying to say is not just your own decision-making process, how you want to live your life, but it affects the community that you're in. James, because he's a pastor, and to him, it is very, very important that, that the wisdom that we have, it's critical for the building up of the fellowship of the body of Christ. And so, when we have those wisdom that comes from heaven above, you put an end to jealousy. You have to ask yourself, are you jealous? Are you jealous of somebody's achievement? Are you jealous when somebody's doing well? Uh, do you have selfish ambition that is all about you and you alone? I have to ask myself, am I selfish? Am I jealous? Because when, when I am doing that, the, James is saying, you are denying the truth and causing disorder in the people of God, among the people of God. However, on the contrary, all right, wisdom that is from heaven above, all right, wisdom that is from heaven above, it's pure, it's peace-loving, it's considerate, it's submissive, it's full of mercy, good fruit, impartial and sincere. One more time. You know what? Wisdom in, is imperative in making decisions and life choices, wisdom from heaven above. But here in the book of James, the highlight of wisdom's expression is to be found in relationship and community building. You know, selfish ambition and jealousy and um, it's all about dealing with one another. To James, it is a Christian lifestyle that bears the hallmark of the work and the life of Christ as expressed in the royal law in James chapter 2, verse 8, where we learn to love our neighbor as ourselves. So it is rather pointless if we think that we are a believer, we claim that we fear God, we claim that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but, but we are not building the community with the royal law of loving our neighbor as ourselves. So today, are you going to live by heavenly wisdom or earthly wisdom? There is really no in-between. But if heavenly wisdom is your choice and your decision, it starts from first having the knowledge of God, the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and build that relationship with Jesus to the point that the fearing of God is out of reverence and love for Him, that wisdom begins to germinate and spring forth from your life. Are you going to live a life approved by God? A life reaping a harvest of righteousness? Because it says in verse 18, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Are you a peacemaker? Do you sow peace that you will reap 
a harvest of righteousness, a life approved by God. Because when we do so, then the church of God will shine. When we do so, the church of God will become the epicenter of hope for all humanity. When we set aside all this and place the wisdom from heaven above to be the one thing that shapes our lives, the church of Jesus Christ become the epicenter of hope for all humanity. Otherwise, otherwise, James chapter 4 verse 1 to 3 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God, and you ask you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And so James is contrasting a heavenly wisdom and an earthly wisdom and what we truly want our lives to be or our lives is determined by our own passion our own flesh today you have a choice heavenly wisdom or earthly wisdom one is constructive the other is destructive and if you want to choose a life guided by heavenly wisdom the starting point it's a relationship with Jesus Christ the starting point is not the fear of God. The starting point is the knowledge of Jesus and the intimacy that you can build with Him as a result of knowing Him. Then the fear of God becomes that third byproduct or that byproduct that comes into your life because now you fear Him not because you're afraid of Him. You fear Him because you revere Him because you loved Him. I want to pray for you. If you have never invited Jesus Christ into your life to be your Lord and your Savior, you don't know how or you never experienced how to live out a deep relationship with Jesus Christ where your life is governed by peace, and mercy and consideration, I want to pray for you. If you have been a Christian for many years and really your life is not guided by heavenly wisdom, today you want to repent and come before God. I want to pray for you as well so that you know so that we're always at peace so that we are always seeking to build the community of God that we become the hope of all humanity can I pray for you so if you have never invited Jesus I just want you to close your eyes and bow your head let me just pray you just receive Jesus into your heart Amen is that fine Father God I thank you God we thank you that as we study the book of James, it is so rich in the truth of your word. So rich in so many layers of what James is trying to not just educate, but to ensure that we hold on to this faith in the face of adversity and challenges. That James is challenging us to live up to our end of our bargain as a believer of Jesus Christ. Today, Father, I pray, whoever that is listening to this message, God, it is our ultimate desire. God, that we want to live a life based on heavenly wisdom. And so, God, 
I ask, let there be first the knowledge of you. Jesus, let there be first a deep relationship with you. And then the fear of your of you, O oh God. So that so that wisdom may begin. I want to pray for those who have never had that relationship with you. God, as they open their hearts right now to receive Jesus Christ into their life, to be their Lord and their Savior. God, you do a work in their life only you can. And for some of us, we've been a Christian for many, many years, but we are not guided by heavenly wisdom. Maybe because there is a lack of knowledge of Christ or not leaving out the scriptures as James encourages us to be. But there's no deep sense of relationship with Jesus Christ. God, I pray today we make a comeback together as a family, as a body of Christ, that we may live our lives, not just for ourselves, but as a community of believers of God, that we become the hope of all humanity and not a people that is shaped by the standards and the values of this world. So God, we thank you. We praise you, Father, for this word. Continually speak to us. Yes, the series may have ended, but the journey to discover you, God, to discover Jesus and his life through the book of James has just begun. Let faith works in our midst. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone say, Amen. I trust that you have been impacted by the word that we have prepared for you today. I know God is doing a work on the inside of you. So it is my desire, it is my prayer that the word will change you from the inside out. And if you have been impacted and you want to be a part of what we're doing in spreading the word of God to the ends of the earth, you want to partner with us, I want to ask you, challenge you, encourage you, inspire you to give to our work so that whatever that we're doing can continually be done and we can do it better and we can do it far further to the entire ends of the world. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. God bless you and looking forward to having you soon. Take care now. God bless and bye-bye.